So, Joe, this morning I got up and I uh, went went for a run, but I got two minutes into my run, I forgot something and I had to come home. What? Uh, I forgot I'm fat and out of shape and I can only run for two minutes. <laughs> I don't like that joke. That's not a nice one. That was a fat shaming joke. Try another one. Uh, Joe, what do you do with somebody who got hurt in a peekaboo accident? I never heard of such a thing. What? You take him to the ICU. <laughs> but what the if the ICU. hospital is booked with the ICU because of all the COVID cases? Ah, <laughs> uh, you just fucked. Kind of like our country. Hello, everybody. This is Jacques. I'm Joe. And welcome to Carnival Personnel. It's so delightful that you've decided to mistakenly download us. Joe, how are you? I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm on edge. You know, we're running through some technical difficulties here, but we're 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 Muscling through. Jacques, Jacques' computer is apparently sick of recording the podcast. <laughs> the virus that I sent to you in an email has effectively uh, started its course. And, um, you know, for some reason you can't hear me, but I can hear you, but we worked it out. So now I'm, we're on a phone and a, and a FaceTime on the computer. And, oh, it's a big mess. Don't even ask how we're getting through this. Uh, but life finds a way. And uh, this podcast, apparently. It's like a cockroach. It's the cockroach of the podcast sphere, Carnival Personnel is. Not the first time that observation's been made. <laughs> um, so, you know, my audio isn't working, but at least it's in a little better shape than one Regis Philbin, who we lost this week. Which, you know, hearing the passing of uh, of Regis, I seriously thought this. That sounds like somebody Joe would have an impression of. You know, I mean, Regis is in that that kind of voice and cadence and some of the other people that you do. I'm not saying he's on he's on I almost said he's on that side of the spectrum with Gilbert, because Gilbert is on the spectrum. <laughs> that's a different story. But seriously, Regis Philbert. And then I thought, well, maybe we should have, maybe I should ask Joe if he's done a Regis. And then I'm thinking. Before we just passed away, have we ever thought, you know what this is missing? <laughs> you know what we'll put our podcast or anything we've done comically over the top is a good Regis Philbin impression. Uh, let me try. I, I've not really tried a Regis Philbin impression. Basically, all the impressions that I do are impersonations of Dana Carvey impressions. And Dana Carvey does a Regis. So here we go. Here's here's my Regis Philbin. Yeah. Uh, more, more, more of a Larry King. I, you know, it, you know. I would say Regis is closer to like the Larry King side of like the kid. I mean, but again, he's been he's been out of public eye for a little while. But but you know, an amazing career. I mean, he's one of those guys where, you know, all the retrospectives done this week. You're like, oh shit, yeah, he uh, he had a pretty good run. Yeah, I know. I I agree. I didn't realize you didn't want to hear my Regis impersonation, but that's fine. We can move on. No, I, I definitely would. Let's let's hear it. Let's hear you. <laughs> I don't know if it. I can I'll, do I'll be Kathy Lee. Great. <laughs> Let Kathy me go Lee. get some alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so I was talking with Gelman yesterday, and we were thinking, hey, what if we had Kathy Lee come out here with no clothes on? That would, that would be fantastic. Oh my goodness, Gelman and I, we had a really good laugh. And, um, yeah, at your expense, Kathy Lee, I'm sorry, but, you know, you're kind of a Christian nut. <laughs> See, that's pretty, that, that, yeah, honestly, passable. honestly, nice, nice little golf round of applause. No, it, it, what, what I love is you threw in the producer's name who, as soon as you said, I'm like, oh, right. Like that, that guy was, you know, they, they, they didn't string together three sentences without mentioning that guy, <laughs> but I wouldn't have remembered his name until you said it. But uh, you did because you're smarter and better at pretty much everything. Nope. Uh, also, um, Herman Cain passed away uh, this week. And, dude, you know, I'm not going to apologize for being a bad person. And it's, you know, you never want to celebrate somebody's death. But, you know, it's kind of hard not to smirk a little because his last public appearance was at the um, Tulsa you know, Nazi pep rally, you know, a few weeks ago and truly the just days before he passed away, whoever runs his Twitter page 
was still being smirking about it. And even the day, you know, hours before he passed away, if you go look at his Twitter timeline, unless he erased it all, uh, it was still, you know, pretty smug and smirking about, you know, COVID. And when Kane was going to the rally, he was bragging that, you know, it's going to be no social distancing, no masks. People are fed up with this. I think that's how he said it. It's like people are fed up with this. And he was celebrating the fact that he could cram himself into a crowded, you know, a, a, a crowded auditorium without having to wear a mask. Um, and so, honestly, I, I'm I'm trying not to be gleeful and, and, and being happy with somebody's passing. But at the same time, it, it, you know, how many of these motherfuckers who are – Screaming it's a hoax and are screaming you don't need masks have to die before people on that side say, you know what, maybe uh, maybe masks are a good idea. Yep, it's ironic how these people who are on the wrong side of history seem to be keeling over from COVID because of their lack of protection and their disregard. And, and you know, they're, they're drinking their own Kool-Aid, which is not a good idea. So... Yeah, we don't want to dance on the graves of anybody, really, that we disagree with politically. But at the same time, it is hard to just bite your tongue, especially like on social media and just say, I told you so, you know. So I I don't know how on the politically incorrect scale what I'm about to say falls. But the fact that Herman Cain was a black guy going to a Trump rally in Tulsa on June, originally scheduled for Juneteenth. I mean, it, it's like one of those things. It, it's it, it's like, you know, when a priest rapes a small child, it is unthinkably horrible. But also, I think it makes it a little worse because that person is in a trusted position of authority and looked up to in a community. The same way that, you know, when a cop does something awful and, I, you know, and Look, I'll put it even in geek territory. There was a very famous arc in the Nightwing comic series where Huntress was going to kill this guy. And then Dick Grayson knew that, hey, she's probably going to kill that guy who, by all means, should have been killed years ago. You know, And he looked the other way. It's not like he looked the other way, but he didn't go out of his way. He kind of said... Hey, you probably shouldn't go and kill that person. Uh, but he didn't physically stop her. And does that make him culpable? Does that make him, you know, and in Batman's eyes, he was pretty furious with Dick and said, you know, no, it's it's because you are in a position to stop somebody. You know, you have more responsibility. I, I know I'm getting a, a little a little wacky here, but but the fact that like Herman Cain would go to that. On that city and that day, and I know that's his party, and I know he was a uh, a top running GOP candidate for a while before sex scandal um, derailed, you know, his campaign back in was it oh eight, was it oh eight or or twelve? That he, I mean, for a, a good month, six weeks, he was the leading candidate. Yeah, I forget when that was. I think it was two thousand eight. Um. So, so I, I, like I said, I don't know if like, you know, uh, cause, cause he's black, he shouldn't be a Trump fan. And I'm, I'm looking down at him more scornfully than other Trump supporters, but just specifically to go to that rally at that city on that date, it was scheduled. Um, you know, those are two different issues, but the fact that he was being gleeful about not having to wear a mask and then three weeks later dies. And honestly, the day he passes his Twitter, whoever runs his Twitter page was being pretty glib and pretty much of a spiteful dick about COVID, you know, anyways, um, on a, on a another passing note, but, um, Obama's eulogy at John Lewis's, um, service the other day. I don't know if you caught that. We actually, you know, watched it as a family and I'll be, I'll be 100% honest. Uh, it, it, it was so impactful, powerful. I just miss hearing that man speak. I truly, you know, not happy that he was speaking at, you know, eulogizing a great civil rights leader and a great congressman, but just, you know, I loved how, I love how he speaks 
And I really love what he said. And I don't know if you caught any of that or if you have any thoughts on his eulogy. No, I hadn't heard the entire eulogy. I saw the first 90 seconds of it on a clip. But, um, yeah, he's a, he's a he's a figure in our politics that has missed. Yeah, I miss Obama. Yeah, you're asking me if I missed Obama or if I'm, you know, wishful that we had a president that wasn't excluded from these types of services. I will say this about <laughs> the New York Post, or maybe it was the New York Daily News. I think it was the New York Daily News. They had this cover after the John Lewis funeral where you had the picture of Obama and then a picture of W and a picture of Clinton, Bill Clinton. And at the very bottom, you see a pouty Donald Trump. And, you know, over like the overall thing is uh, John Lewis. And it's three men and a baby because (laughs) you had three ex-presidents at these services. Oh, you're going to drink during our podcast? You're going to drink a beverage, a carbonated beverage during our podcast? No, I'm not. I'm just pouring it on ice now so it's nice and frosty. Right, when cause, good, because, you know, we need that sodium that gives you that lip-smacking that everybody deserves to hear. Yeah, exactly. Lip-smacking good. I, but, yeah, I, I no, I hadn't heard the Obama's eulogy, but I understand it was very powerful and moving, and I uh, wish we had somebody like that in office now, but we do not. And over... We talked about it as a family after, and one of the things that I loved is Obama went out of his way to say, we know they're going to repress the votes. We know how they're going to repress the votes. We also know they're going to repress the votes in ways that we don't know yet. We we won't see coming. They're going to play games, and we know it, and it sucks, and it's awful, and X, Y, and Z, and any reference like some of the old tricks of the past where, you know, a black guy would show up to vote and had to guess how many jelly beans are in the jar in order to cast a vote. I mean, he made light of some old stuff, but truly said, it's going to suck. And we know this is what they have to do, and they're going to do it. And it's awful, and they shouldn't, and we should not only bring back the Voting Right Act and name it after John, but it should have more teeth to it. At the same time, he went out of his way to say, it's up to you to work around it. It's up to you to to know going in, it's going to suck, that your polling station is going to get moved, that the lines are going to be incredibly long, that they're going to ask for six forms of IDs. They're going to do all these things, and they shouldn't, and it's wrong, and it sucks. But what works best is is disenfranchising, making you not want to go, making you not want to fight through it, making you feel that your vote doesn't matter. And it does. And so it's going to be a long day (laughs) and there's going to be game plans, but it is not an excuse. You have to do it. You have to. And I love that. You know, and we talked about it like as a family that. It's it's true. You know, there are going to be these obstacles. Of course, I'm never going to have to fight those obstacles. I've never had a problem voting no matter where I've lived. And we won't get into, you know, why. <laughs> you know, I think we I all know why. It. It's, it's because you're white and we have a country that's built to serve white people. Right out of the gate. Oh, you know, okay. right off the uh, I, I just but, want to be right. That's all I want to be. I just want to be right. Well, at least once. But but so so you know but he did I mean he went out of his way to say yeah it's gonna suck but tough shit get your ass in the car on the bus walk to the place you know be prepared do your research you know call your local like voting precinct call the local whoever you have to call get the right information bring a lunch go with it you know what I mean it, you know we we all know the vote by mail thing and what's going on with that right now but seriously it was great for him to stand there and say you know what it's up to you and, and you know he he pointed things out you know that it's going to suck but there aren't going to be you know you're not going to have to go through what John Lewis had to go through to vote you're not going to have to go through what John Lewis had to to you know, yeah, there's awful things. Are we sure about that? Are we we're sure not. that we're not? We're not. Black you, people aren't right, going to have Joe. to go through what John Lewis went through in the 50s and 60s. Uh, <sighs> but anyway, so but just listening to him talk and it was powerful. And we, you know, we watched we watched a lot of the service, but we did. We 
stopped what we were doing so we could watch that as a family. And, and, uh, and I'm very glad that we did. That's, in, that's incredible. Yes. We watched it on the TV we bought uh, a couple years ago, big flat screen TV on the wall, really nice, you know, you know, latest, greatest thing you could get from Best Buy. We didn't watch it on the other TV that my family bought this week. Wait a minute. I don't Wait a minute. You have two TVs? Nobody has two TVs, Joe. He's just kidding. Um, I don't know if management Facebooked this and if you saw or if, you know, you you constantly, you know, checking out management's Facebook. But I had a moment of weakness the other day, Joe. She called and said, hey, look at the look at what I just texted you. She was shopping and was at a thrift store and saw an old school. I mean, we're talking the thing's got to be late 60s, early 70s uh, TV. Like a console TV that sits in the floor? Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, wait, yeah. Wait, is it a big, like, rectangular piece of furniture, or does it have the legs at the bottom? No, it's a piece of, no legs. It sits flat on the floor, <sighs> and, and she's like, it's 10 bucks. Do you want it? Now. That's, you know what that is? That's $50. A, that's fi- I mean, that's 50 pounds a dollar, essentially. <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> um. You know, and, and you know me, you know me. I don't want stuff. I don't want things. I like to look at things and say, wow, that's really cool. Maybe that would look good in Joe's, you know, but I don't want things. But this was a moment of weakness where I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I want it. And, and going back to like high school, I had a big old TV, you know, I got on trash day driving the street that I gutted out and had as a planter and I've used them as bookshelves. I've used them as dressers. No one has ever been born into a world that loves old things and TV more than me. And so I had this moment of weakness and I told the wife, yes, you know, get it. It wasn't five minutes later. I'm like, what the fuck? No, no, Uh you don't. Where are you going to put this? You don't need this. I call her back and I text her back and I didn't hear, you know, back right away. And I'm like. She's going to say she didn't get this text. So I called her and she's like, nope, it's already in the car. As soon as you, she goes, I knew. <laughs> and, and she was honest. She goes, I knew you were going to change your mind and say, don't get it. So I was standing with the clerk. And as soon as you said, yes, I gave him the 10 bucks and he helped carry it out to the car. Now she was wearing a mask in the store and she was socially distanced carrying the thing out because it's six feet wide (laughs) i know she was six feet away from the guy and then you know she gets it to the house it barely fit in her car she had like crisco all around it and just (laughs) you know push it in the roof dented up uh but i do you you could not be more accurate when you're saying it was about like you know 50 pounds per dollar uh the thing is huge it's now sitting in the living room i'm like yeah we can bring it to my office downstairs i'm not sure what we will do with it but uh but i own it I, I will post a picture of it. You know, I'm the guy who's giving you, you know, old old games, DVD copies of like Plan 9 from Outer Space because I don't want to fill up my house with a DVD jewel case. <laughs> and and yet I said yes to this behemoth old school TV. Uh, eh, everybody gets one. You know, but uh, so, so yes, I, 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 and, and, and I am, I'm happy. I, um, you know, I don't know what we're going to do with it. I know I won't be watching all the great programming on HBO Max on it, which I have really thoroughly enjoyed and gotten your money's worth out of HBO Max. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a blessing and, um, and a curse, really, because, you know, you, you, you don't want to waste all that fine programming. You don't want to just let it sit there. You want to get my money's worth. So, at the same, but at the same time, you don't also want to fritter away whatever life is left to live. But, you know, yeah, there's a balancing act. You want to make the most no, of it. I, I, I'm good with it, Joe. I got nothing left to live for. Okay, good. So, what do you but watch? Ha- everything. I literally... With, within the next few weeks, I will have maxed out that catalog. Um uh, 
when I say everything, and you know, I saw a couple movies this week. Uh, something called Motherless Brooklyn with Ed Norton that I guess he produced and directed it. Okay. It was a, a book that he had turned into a, a movie, a period piece, like late 50s. Maybe it's like 1960s. He has serious Tourette's and he's a private uh, detective who works for – oh, why am I blanking? Bruce Willis. Um, it's a great cast. It's Ed Norton. It's Bruce Willis. It's Alec Baldwin. It's William Defoe. Hmm. You know, it's it, it is. It's this really really good. You know, a, a couple other people that you would know also watched a, a movie called Bad Education, and I watched it. And again, it, it just came up at the top of the screen. It's like you might be interested in this. I'm like, yeah, I might be interested in that. You know, docudrama starring. Um, uh, Hugh Jackman as a superintendent of a school system in New Jersey. And, oh, I can never remember her name. Allison Jennings? Jennings? Allison Janney. Who the two of them started. In. And it's based on a true story about the biggest swindling of funds from a public school system in U.S. history. Huh. And uh, it's the next day or the day after I watched it that – I see that Hugh Jackman got an Emmy nom for for you know playing playing in that movie, and it's funny, uh, you know, I only saw it because it came up on on one of the comedy websites I I flip to sometimes. You know about the the fake rivalry between Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds? Yes. So he used his thinking. The people for the Emmy nod to shit on Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, his whole thing is it was a great project. I had a lot of fun. I'm just really happy to think that this will keep Ryan Reynolds from getting out of bed for the next three days. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, of course, John Oliver had, you know, was back doing new shows. And I, I always feel so dumb when I watch his show because it's like, how much he knows and how much he knows about the things he knows. And then I, I also feel a lot smarter every time I'm done watching one of his shows. And, uh, you know, I think the only weekly thing that I've really followed in a while is the Perry Mason. Mm -hmm. um, again, you know, it's I, th I think it's taken place in something like 28, 1928, 1929. I think it's think it's before the stock market crash, but I'm not a thousand percent sure. Uh, but honestly, you know, yeah, we're watching some other stuff. Oh, and then the other day I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I'll watch a movie. And I'm just kind of scrolling and scrolling. I get all the way down to the Z's. Found a little thing called the Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling. And I'm thinking, huh, I should probably watch this. Mostly because Joe about four months ago said, hey. You should probably watch this. And uh, I've watched part one of two. Dude, we talked about it before. You did play either the trailer or part of it. This is going back when we could be in person to record. This is way back when we were, you know, when I was still coming to your humble abode to to record. Because I remember going upstairs and watching it. Um, it's it it's just, it's the depth of it is great. Um. Uh, you know all those diaries when he when he goes through and he's just taking out diary after diary and it's a pile like you could build a house with just his diaries. Um, I was telling management about it. You know we took a walk the other day, and I don't remember if we talked about it before. And I do apologize. He had one dream and one dream only to get on the Tonight Show, and he gets on the Tonight Show. Ever, the stars aligned and he had a set that just killed and he gets off the stage and he's backstage with his good friend Bob Saget and he instantly tells Bob Saget I don't know what to do now like because he, he had done it it's like you know the first time somebody raises the Stanley Cup or the first time somebody wins a Super Bowl or you know wins a gold medal you know your entire life was built towards this and you were one of the incredibly few people who had a dream that got actualized and now he's like well now what the fuck am i gonna do yeah it's it's a really good uh, documentary and it was produced by jet apatow i don't know if you mentioned that but um he um 
yeah, he he realized his dream of getting on the Tonight Show, and then eventually he guested it. Did it get into the part of where he started guest hosting? Yes, and it toggled between him and uh, Leto taking turns guest hosting. Yeah, they were the two top uh, front runners. I mean, Joan Rivers, I think, was also in the mix. Maybe not at that time. I thought she was, though. But uh, he was definitely a favorite going in, and I think he 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 got to the point where it was it came down to Leno and Shanling, and Shanling said, "You know what? This is not what I want to do." And he got cold feet. Well, he so after after he guest hosted, it, it was a few years later. He becomes a semi regular coming onto the show. And it's a few years later that he gets to guest host, and that's where he realizes this, this is this is all I want. This is what I want. I want to host this show, and that became his life's dream. And along the way, he starts to become the opening act for like some of the biggest uh, music acts. He became like the opening act for some of the biggest biggest music acts. In front of stadiums, doing stadium shows, arena shows, and, and all that. And then he got the chance to start hosting, and then he got bit by that bug. And for several years, it was. He was doing it more. Johnny was doing it less. And it, you're right. Joan Rivers had hosted years before, but it was just those two. It came down to just those two going back and forth. Johnny hadn't retired yet. And we all know, I mean, Johnny Carson wanted Letterman to take the spot. I mean, you know, that was the guy that he 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 had wanted to be his replacement, but he was doing his own show in New York. So it wasn't like Dave Letterman could fill in for him. And then okay, so go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that um he you know, we were talking not so much taking over for Johnny, but becoming the permanent guest host for the tonight show. And then he starts the Gary Shanling show. And, and that that's something I do want to talk about for a second after. But he's two seasons into the Gary Shanley show. The co-host or, or the guest hosting became more. It seemed like that was happening more often than not. And he was still touring. He was still going out, you know, when the show wasn't. And he was being pulled in like three different directions. And he realized it's like, yeah, I'm. I got my dream. I could host this show if I want, but I have my own show. And if I have to choose between one of the two of them, I'm going to keep doing my show. And he called Carson and said, you know, I'm out. Like, like as gracefully as you can. Hey, this is a opportunity lifetime. I love this, but I, I'm getting burnt. He was getting burnt out. And, and all the people and all the comedians around him were like, you could just see it was just he was working. I mean, he was a workaholic. His work was his life. But he did make the choice to stay with the sitcom, which went another two years after he stopped co-hosting. Yep. And part two of that special Zen Diaries is uh, is very good and high, and touching. So, yeah, I mean, and again, I remember some of the things that you had talked about before when we talked about it on the podcast when he first decides I'm going to be a comic finds out George Carlin is playing two hours away and he drives and talks to him like, you know, in the afternoon, he's at the venue and says, you know, is there, I love you to read my stuff and give me some feedback. And Carlin's like, yeah, come back tomorrow. And it's a two hour drive each way from like Phoenix to Tucson. He comes back the next day and there, all his paperwork is spread out on this little table in the, you know, janitor's closet slash green room at this dive that Carlin is playing in Tucson. And there's all handwritten notes on it. The Carlin went through it and said, you're really, really green, but there's something funny on each page. And if this is something you're serious about, I, I encourage you to pursue it. Yes, it's fantastic. So we don't want to turn this into a happy Gary Shandling sideshow. Let's make this a very sad, you know, typical Carnival personnel regular show. Talk about something awful. Uh, I don't know how this fell across my news feed. Serial killer in India who killed a bunch of people in the early 2000s. I don't know, though. It didn't get into the whole story, but they decided, okay, he's been in jail for 16 years. He's got another 16 years on his sentence. We're going to let him go home for 20 days. Uh Lo and behold, he decided not to walk back into jail and put himself back in. And I'm thinking, 
you know, we need prison reform here. And I'm all for the people who are for nonviolent weed crimes to be out of jail right fucking now. I'm thinking somebody who's confessed to 50 murders <laughs> and then fed the body to crocodiles probably uh, probably isn't somebody that you should say, you know what? He's been a really decent guy the last 16 years inside here. Let, let, let him go home for 20 days and hope he comes back. Yeah. Um, you know what? They got, what, a billion people in India? It's hard to keep track of that many people. <laughs> you know, they should have put, put a bell on him is what I'm saying. We, uh, we uh, we talked a little covert at the beginning, making some jokes. Look, the red states that are, are have never locked down, that have never had stay in place, that are anti-mask. I mean, just just today, as we're recording this, the governor of North Dakota, um, who's not who's not a, a hard to look at, you know, uh, had a fundraising email that went out that said. Yeah, your kids don't wear neat masks at school. You know, just send your kids to school. Stop worrying about the mask thing um, and a fundraising email. At the same time, us here in Boston, yeah, we're we're a little better than some places. But um, did you see the booze cruise that went out last weekend, Joe? I did. And all the people were squeezed into one deck together partying. And the people from the from the cruise line or, or, you know, from the tour line said, look, we were at one third capacity. We we're at the legal limit. You know, we did what we could and you could see, yeah, there's three decks on this thing, <laughs> you know, but the disc jockey in the bar was all on one deck. So they decided, sure. It's like a restaurant can sit a hundred, but we're only going to sit 30 people, but we're going to have them share one booth <laughs> and, and one glass that they will pass around the table. And you see that at the same time, you know, it, it went around the Twitter sphere there. It's called made of the mist. I forget what it's called. I think it's made of the mist on the American side. And I forget what it's called on the Canadian side, or maybe the made of the mist, but there's two boat companies, one on the Buffalo side, one on the Toronto side. That, that drive you right up to the base of Niagara Falls. And there's an overhead shot of the two boats passing the other day. And the Canadian one, it, it might be, it might be 10, 15% capacity. And, and, and the people are pretty spread out. The American one, it's like, well, how's it not tipping over to one side with all those people? And, and you're just looking at it thinking, oh, we are. We're working. We're working really, really, really hard to kill ourselves. I, I mean, honestly, how and others, uh, right? And uh, and you know, but seriously, I'm looking at that last week in Canada. You know, at the that, and then there's a cruise out of Boston. You know, management showed me a clip. I think it was from BuzzFeed. A bunch of people around the world, you know, you know how BuzzFeed does these fun little things and their correspondents around the world reacting to the American covert thing. And they're showing, you know, Bunker Boy saying stupid things and, and laughing at it. And some of them are horrified and laughing at some stuff and horrified by others. And this poor Korean girl literally starts crying because they showed a picture in New York of some of the mass graves. And I, I, I don't even think a lot of people know here. Look, a, there was a lot of there's a lot of homeless people, a lot of people without family that didn't claim bodies that they just bury in mass graves. I mean, they've been using the same little island, you know, off of Manhattan for for a hundred years. That's where they bury people, you know. And and this poor girl is just it was it was a funny clip in, in a funny and a not funny way, like you know, maybe we should try drinking bleach. And you see the correspondent in Australia, the correspondent like in in, in Japan, the cor and then when they're showing the graphs of like the deaths and and here, and it's like and and then you see that picture of the boat pulling out of Boston Harbor to do a booze cruise, and you're like, oh, well, you know, how do we look down? How you know how does Mayor Walsh look down at at Florida right now, saying, oh, they're idiots down there, and this is why. Everything has to be shut down. This is why you, if you give people the choice, Joe, and I, I, I know I sound, I know how I'm sounding, but when you're giving people the choice, yeah, they're going to make the wrong decision more often than not. 
Yep, yep. They're choosing RC Cola over Pepsi every single time. Every fuck, every every fucking time. Um, President's you know, choice, indeed. Go on. At, at the same time, I mean, you had a Congress guy this week who tested positive for COVID, who was supposed to get on a plane. I mean, he found he was tested positive for COVID because before getting on Air Force One, Everybody was tested, and he didn't have one of those tests that come back seven days later. They they got the instant test. Uh, uh, Louis uh, Gomert, Gomert, Louis Gomert. Thank you. So he tests positive, and he decides, oh, I should let my staff know. So he calls the staff into a staff meeting to tell him in person because he he wanted to be able to tell him in person, not them find out over Twitter, and tells him in person while not wearing a mask, <laughs> and. Then goes on to release a statement saying, well, he thinks he probably got it from wearing a mask. So not only is he anti- – thank you, Joe. I think I think we've – and it's like – I just keeled over. This is honestly – the, 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 you know, and then, then I turn on the, like, the news this morning and find out the CNN building was overrun in Los Angeles on Friday with a, a, con, a, a QCon, Q, no, QAnon. QAnon. QAnon protest, uh, uh, an anti-pedophilia. And I went and I'm looking at Twitter and some people are like, these people aren't wearing masks and this is horrible. And they're just, you know, putting people at risk by storming this building. And I saw some people, it's like, you know, what do you have against this protest? What are you, pro-pedophilia? No. Nobody is, pro- you know, yes, there are some people who are pro-pedophilia. I get it, you know. Um, and some of them wish them well. Some of them wish them well. Thank you. Uh, no, I, I think it was the fact that you people are batshit crazy storming. Has, is CNN known to be pro-pedophilia? Is that why they decide to descend upon the CNN building? Did you see this or am I just... No, I, I kind of saw that the QAnon thing, we talked about it last week, how it's becoming more prominent in the media. And, um, you know, I prob- they're probably looking at CNN as something that or as an organization that protects the liberal elites who are buddied with, you know, people like Epstein or something. They, they, they see that they see this sort of, um, they, they perceive a, a sort of cover up by the mainstream media, uh, uh against so-called pedophile. I, I don't know what's going on, man. It's all crazy. The lamestream town. media. Yeah. It's all crazy town. It's all crazy town. So, so what? Yeah. What about it now? What are we doing? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? What the fuck are we doing here? What are we talking about? I think I think for at least for a couple minutes it did successfully get me to stop focusing on the fact that Bunker Boy has quadrupled down on the racism, you know, uh, playbook. I mean, this week it's just, yeah, we're going to move on because I'm done talking about, I mean, he he's so racist and people are stupid. Get out least, of the city, Cousin Larry. But look at the bright side. At least we have sports coming back. Let's get right into sports. And, you know, sports is a nice distraction and, and it's nice to finally see baseball coming back in full swing, as he would say, to to, to, <laughs> to, to you in full swing, Joe. Oh wait, swing it. Well, maybe miss. maybe it's a check swing because the number of games that have been postponed uh, to the point where they've had to postpone so many games in just the last week alone that they decided, well, we are going to have the sixty-game schedule. We're going to have to have double headers, um, but at least they decided. It probably be smart to have seven inning games if you're going to have double headed. Like literally, like that's their solution to COVID. It's like shorten the games. Yeah, right. It, 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 that's like you know a fat person ordering a diet coke. It's just like you know what? <laughs> as you're, you're looking right at me, Joe. You looked right at me as I go to take a swig of my diet Dr Pepper. Thank you. But you know what I mean. It's yeah. It's a penny wise penny wise pound foolish, and. Not to mention the fact that are the Marlins still banned from playing baseball? The Marlins are – not only were they banned from baseball, they couldn't get home. So they actually had to leave those those who were testing positive behind because they couldn't get them on the plane and wanted to put them on the team plane and bust them down to – you know. Why, yeah, so, why would the Marlins be in such trouble? I mean, they're, you know, them being the Massachusetts Marlins, you would think that they would be more COVID savvy. 
You and are they the Massachusetts Marlins? Am I mistaken? They, they actually no. They just moved. They just moved to uh, looking down here. The state that looks like a penis and it acts like a penis. Uh, Florida. Oh, they're, the they're, Florida they're, they're, Marlins. Yes. Oh, then you know what? That checks out. Checks out. But but now so many other te- a couple other teams. You know the commissioner came out on Friday on Thursday and said, hey, a couple teams have now hired covert like overseers or overlords, compliant officers. Dude, and the NFL, we're going to find out, I think, today, as this podcast is dropped, we'll get the final list of NFL players that have opted out for the season. Last Monday, the NFL came out and said, we're giving players a week to opt out. If you're healthy and you want to opt out, you'll get 150 grand, and it doesn't count towards a year of your contract. If you're at risk... You know, and one of the Patriots, one of the six Patriots so far that opted out, Marcus Cannon, is a cancer survivor. And they're like, yeah, he's at risk. People who are at risk get 350000 and it does count towards a year of your contract. I'm not, I'm not mm. 100% sure. But they gave NFL players, they're like, if, you know, you're not going to get in trouble. If you want to, you know, and like I said, six Patriots so far, like Dante Hightower. You know, Patrick Chung, Marcus Cannon, the other three players. It's like, I think I've heard of them, but, I, you know, I, I don't think they got much more playing time than I did last year. But, but yeah, so, so far, uh, six Patriots. But by the time this podcast drops, like, we'll have the full list. But, dude, it's the same thing. You know, our, our good friend, uh, you know, Dr. Ross Salowich, he had tweeted out the other day asking people, what do you think the over-under of how many games are going to get played per team? I'm putting it at 4.5. <laughs> uh, because they, they – they, look, the, the NFL is taking it seriously. Uh, they're letting you opt out. They've canceled all preseason games. And – no high fives are exchanging jerseys after the game. So if any sport league is really taking COVID seriously, it's it's the great people, the thoughtful people, the humanitarians over at the NFL. Mm-hmm. 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 Do they extend that sort of that same? Um, God damn it! I, I don't want to talk anymore. Do they do they let the people who work on the staff? of these teams also opt out or is it just only the courtesy is extended to the players? Um, I nobody think cares. it's, nobody I cares, think it's, uh, I, I don't think anybody, well, nobody cares about anybody who's not players cause you don't make money off those people, but right. you know, it, what a stupid and, question. And yeah. Once, once the season starts and you get three, four games in and you know, what, what, what's that thing that starts to, you know, starts to affect society as a whole in late October, early November that, that, it's it's a season. It's not summer or winter, but it's a se- oh, flu season. So I'm guessing you know when flu season meets with COVID. Uh, yeah. I, anyways, uh, I will say as this podcast drops. Oh, that was the other thing. The the commissioner of baseball had told its partners, its broadcast partners, you should. Um, have alternative programming lined up because he doesn't know if the season is going to finish, which gives me another opportunity to plug today. All those who can tune into Nesson, our good friend Donnie will be doing the play-by-play for the Futures League um, single-A baseball on Nesson. So, you know, so we got that. Let's see what else. Um, I made a joke a few weeks ago saying, don't you miss when the biggest thing I had to complain about was the status of Antonio Brown? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Haven't heard from him in a while, but the NFL has given him an eight-game suspension, and which is great because he's a Genius. man without a home. <laughs> you know, it's like he's not playing anywhere, but you know, it's just sports just goes out of its way. Um, now we're going to get on to video games, Joe. And I'm going to bleed sports into video games. Usually this is your domain, but I'm I'm going to I'm going to go first. Gordy Howe came out of retirement to play in the WHA World Hockey Association on a team on a line with his two sons Mark and Marty. Um I don't think that had happened before in sports. There's been sons or grandsons of famous ball players and other sports and, and hockey players who have, have played, but I think this is the first time that father and son have played on a professional 
you know, hockey team together. And it's one for the history books. They end up playing a couple years in Houston. Um, then they all went to the New England Whalers and played. Um, I can only imagine how great it was for Gordy Howe to share that with his two sons, Mark and Marty. Um, I've always looked up to that, always envied that, always dreamed of emulating something close to that. And this week, I got to live that dream. My oldest son and I teamed up together, and we 100% at Resident Evil 3. Wow. Wow. They say... They say it couldn't be done. And and it, and it did. It got done. I, I'm at a loss for I, I words. I said it wouldn't get done. I'm right. <laughs> Luckily, I'm I, at a loss for words. Jacques, please I, fill in the gap. I said, I, I had said that, you know, last week I was pretty excited that I had unlocked the unlimited rocket launcher. And look, it's completely God mode. It's completely cheating. It's completely so pathetic to spend a couple hours playing a game where you're walking around with an infinite rocket launcher blowing up everything. But there were some trophies that were pretty impossible to lock. They're still, even with that godlike ability, there was still a boss fight I couldn't get by. I, I couldn't figure out. You know, I've tried several different controllers Several, you know, I, I was talking to my good friend Joe at one point while trying to figure this out. And during the God mode, there's one part where you literally, I, we timed it, didn't we? Didn't we cut time it? It's like you come out of the quick time into gameplay and died. It took like two minutes to go through the reboot, start it up, load up the weapon, go into that room. And as soon as you go in the room, it cuts to a quick time movie. You come out of the quick time movie and... Within five seconds, you're dead. It's like, well, this time I'll try jumping left. This time I'll try jumping right. This time I'll try. I mean, at one point, I literally, literally, and I mean it, literally went online, but an old school controller and tried the Contra you know, <laughs> in order to survive more than a second. I relied on my 12-year-old son. To come down to the cave and and you try it. Gosh darn it, with a tear in my eye, I'm telling you, Joe, he figured it out and got past that boss fight and we hundred percent of the game, father and son. It was that's a, sounds like a very proud moment indeed. And I was I was proud for you initially when I logged on a PS4 and I saw that it tells you know my friends basically you you're I think my only friend on Facebook on um, PlayStation that uh, you had received a hundred percent trophy and I'm like why don't you tell somebody and he's yeah I wanted to save it for the podcast but you know then you also uh, oh no the day before you had your son call me to tell me how, I did I did <laughs> to tell me how he beat the boss and I could kind of piece it together he was articulate but I was just like. You know, it's not being able to see what he was talking about. I couldn't fully appreciate the the circumstances, but you know what? All said, um, good. I'm glad you that one interaction that you had with your son alone was about three times as much as, than the time I've spent with my kids this week. So, you know what? You're father of the father of the week in my eyes. Thank you, Joe. Now, how, how's your gaming going? Ah, it's fine. Uh, it's fine. I'm tinkering around with... I'm going actually back to the old school original Xbox. I was able to get that up and running. And I played um, a Futurama video game that came out in like 2002, 2003. And uh, that's, you know, it's like a 3D platformer kind of thing. Collect-a-thon. Very basic game. I mean, it was fun. You know, it's funny because they have original actors doing the voices and... They have a you know a storyline, so it was like you know playing an episode of the uh, of the of the show, and it, it was fine. I liked it a lot, and um, they got me actually back into watching a little bit of Futurama on Hulu because they have all of them on Hulu now, and um, that's a great show. Futurama is so good; it really is. Under I think a bit underrated. It, it, it only gets better with age, and it's twenty one years old. If you can be- fucking believe it. 
That show it, it can vote now. Yes, it can, and hopefully no, it can buy alcohol. It, it could vote for. Oh, three right, years. right, right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, that, you know, I didn't. Other than that, you know, nothing, nothing worthy to report and to bore our audience even further with. Jacques, what are you watching? You know, I've lamented enough about the Zen Diaries. If you like comedy, if you like Gary Sherling, you like it. If you're a fan of comedy itself and, and seeing how the process works, because the whole documentary was household name after household name that looked up to him in ways with with such reverence and such, you know, adulation. And how many of those people, like Jed Apatow said, yeah, I have a career because of him, you know, and, and his mentoring. And I truly think a good person's a good person. Um, but I, I think, and maybe it gets into the second part, and and you won't be like you know ruining this prize if he does. What George Carlin did for him, I don't think he ever forgot. I don't think he ever, you know, forgot that hey, I was an absolute nobody. George Carlin got nothing for taking the time to read my material and to meet with some kid who was he in second year or third year of engineering school at the university of Arizona, not the university of Phoenix, but (laughs) actually went in class, but he was, he was two thirds, three quarters of his way to an engineering degree. And he decided I want to do comedy and drove and what Carlin did for him. It seemed like he did for Epitau and he did for a lot of other people. And when he, got to a certain level how many of his friends that he gave jobs to or gigs or you know squeezed into here or put into here um so so i've talked about it enough but honestly if you got four hours because it's part one and it's part two highly suggest the zen diaries of gary shanling on hbo max i second that and um to further along the vast oeuvre and the library, not Louvre, the library of on HBO Max. I started and finished the second season of Barry, which is Bill Hader's show about uh, being a hitman turned actor. And he's an ex-marine, becomes a small-time hitman, and he uh, at the beginning of the first episode in season one, he his target is uh, um, he's taking an acting workshop, being taught by a character played by Henry Winkler. And um, Bill Hader, you know, I guess, I mean, he takes out, spoiler, I think he takes out the actor. <laughs> um, but at the same time, he gets sucked into the acting workshop and in the acting class and um, decides that he wants to do that. So season two is a continuation of season one, obviously, but it's um, it picks up in a, a very, uh, circumstances are, 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 are not good for Barry. Um, he, he's, he's torn. He, he's really, he really wants to leave the life and become an actor or study the craft, but he just can't. And he, he, he's, he's being confronted by you know, things that he's done in the past, uh, things he's done in the recent past, things that he might have done <laughs> at the end of episode of season one. <laughs> um, but um, it's, it, it, this season has several, it's mostly written by Bill Hader and his writing partner, I forget his name, but a couple of episodes are directed by Bill Hader, one of which got a 9.8 user rating on IMDb because it's fucking hysterical. I left. It's a, these are half hour episodes and there's eight of them in the, in the season. So you could blast. This whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. Eight episodes, half hour long. And I haven't binged it. And yeah, like, Dude, that uh, I, I'm stupid. I, I I plead ignorant, Your Honor, and I will by next week. Who plays his? Mo- is it his mother? The the female character, oh. kind of a hefty a hefty character. Mm. If I'm if I'm thinking female character, uh, no. uh, a well known a well known actor. No, am I thinking? Am I thinking Barry, or am I thinking? You might be thinking of something else. Barry is Bill Hader and, and Henry Winkler. And, okay, and they're, I mean, they're, they're not Louis Anderson. No, you're thinking of um, baskets. Uh, baskets. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Barry is yeah. Henry Winkler is the acting coach, <laughs> and okay. St- Stephen Root is the guy that he Barry works for as part of the small time hitman company organization. Um, 
a couple of other good actors and a couple of uh, good place actors. Um, Darcy Carden, who she's played, great. she's one of the actors, and the um, the, the the Australian girl, uh, some you know the uh, the black Australian girl. Yep, yep. Yeah, she's also in this. Um, I think she's maybe not in the first season, but in the second season. So uh, it, it's just a, it's a it's a fantastic show. It's ridiculous at times. This episode that got the high rating on IMDb is. Um, it's it's so fucking incredible to watch how crazy it goes from scene to scene and how 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 powerful it is, but at the same time how ridiculous it is. And it's it's just it's fucking hysterical. It's a good show. You should watch Barry. Uh, I also checked out Efforts uh, for Family, the Bill Burr comedy uh, animated show on Netflix. That's in its fourth season. That's a very good, you know. It's it, it, he, he's your age. It's kind of your. It, it might not be your style of humor or whatever, but it's it's in the it's set in the set, you know mid seventies. I don't know if you've seen a couple of that. I, like what you recommended before during first season, and I did. I, I I checked out like three or four episodes, and I did. You know, may, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll poke back in. Yeah, there was a great episode where he bought he fucked up his dad's new TV. His dad bought a new TV, and he was playing with magnets. And oh, it right. fucked the TV up, and then <laughs> I mean it's a really dirty show, you know, and it's, the f words galore, and it's just fucking great. Um, that's a fun, great, and that's a good show. Sam Rockwell has a character on that show, and it's uh, it's that that that's also very good. And then also, I ch- I for some reason decided to watch Inner Space with Martin Short and Dennis Quaid. Remember Inner Space, dude? It's great. Yeah, yeah. That's directed by I didn't realize this at the time, but Joe Dante, who directed like. Uh, uh, Gremlins two and um, uh, a couple of other movies. Uh, several Dante's other- Inferno. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know Joe Dante. But it, anyways, it's just a fucking fantastic. Uh, it's a romp, as they say. It's a very eighties. You know, Meg Ryan met Dennis Quaid on the movie set where then they got married and had a kid and later divorced. But um, anyways, it's it, it, it watching it. I didn't realize how much Dennis Quaid was channeling Harrison Ford's Han Solo. In that character, if you, you watch that, you'll you just watch the cockiness and the smarminess and even the faces he makes. He's like, is that, where have I seen that before? Oh yeah, Star Wars. <laughs> He's channeling Han Solo. So, I don't know, I, I liked Inner Space. And it's Martin, one of Martin Short's, you know, first early, that's like his probably big, big movie, like big breakout dude, movie. Dude, let's, let, let's not wait too long to have a Martin Short sideshow. Because uh, honestly... We love that guy. We we truly, truly, truly love that That's guy. That's why I'm not doing a sideshow, because I love him that much. You know, I want to spare him from having his name besmirched by our Carnival Personnel sideshow we, brand. We always, we always wait for our heroes to die, maybe. You know, <laughs> wouldn't it be awful if we do it? Well, you got a parenting tip for me, Joe, because, you know, you, you've, you've helped out quite a bit with my parenting lately, and I truly thank you. Well, then, you know, I am... Um, I'm humbled by that remark, but uh, at the same time, I'm also ashamed because I do not have a parenting tip. You know, typically I'm I'm right here with the parenting tips. I got a bag full of tips with your name on it, but uh, unfortunately, <laughs> just it's just the tip. I don't have one this week. So, Jacques, you're going to have to pick up the slack again and let let us know what your parenting tip would be. So, I already talked about the the great the great achievement. You know, um, again, a little disappointed that Ed McMahon wasn't at my door with a oversized cardboard check and the confetti and the balloons when I 100%ed a game because I, I really think, you know, it warranted that. But my other son, who before, and I've told this story, we were somewhere, I've taught my sons, look, sometimes it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, sometimes. Lightning strikes twice, but when you see an opening in life, when you see an opportunity, you have to carpe diem, carpe diem, carpe diem, seize the day, make it happen. Upon leaving Target the other day in a parking lot, there was one of those big flatbed trucks that let's say, you know, giant cranes are moved on from point A to point B to construction sites. And the thing was completely emptied. Honestly, the it had to be – if you were going to like put cars on it, you could have like three, maybe four cars long. That's how long this flatbed was and it was empty. And it was going right by us in a parking lot where it was going to have to turn you know, pretty soon. It was going maybe like 
two, three miles an hour. And just as it went by, you know, my son, you know, he was just walking with me to the car and I looked at him. I said, dude, he goes, what? And I pointed a flatbed truck. He goes, oh, you want me to go jump on it? I'm like, yes, I want you to go jump on it. How often do you get the opportunity to hitch a ride on the back of a big flatbed like this and a parking lot where before what happened a couple of years ago, um, it was at a place where uh, the truck was able to build up speed quicker than either one of us had anticipated. And I had a yell from about 50 yards away. You got to jump off now. And he, and he jumped off. Um, and I will post this clip because I had time to get my phone out and have watch him run over, jump on the back of the truck as it was starting to, you know, exit the target parking lot. Are and, you uh, sure you want to post this? Yeah, I'm more than cool with that. Uh, see, dude, I don't think it's illegal. Okay. I mean, no, I mean, yeah, yeah I, whatever, you know. You know, but we'll see. Maybe I won't post it. But I'm, I'm, you're, you're you're more than happy to just post your kids' likeness on the internet. Um, no, no, not really. Not a lot. You know. Yeah. Do I? Eh, a little bit. A little bit. Okay. A little bit. Oh, a little bit. But hey, you know yeah. what? My parenting tip would be don't post fucking pictures of your kid on Facebook or whatever on the internet uh, hopping on the back of a flatbed truck. But you know what? I'm, <laughs> I, I'm a prude and a nerd. Not only a nerd, a fucking nerd. So don't listen to me. I, I mean – uh, seriously, it, it is. It's just look. I'm different. I'm guessing your management. If if you came home and your youngest child at age like you know ten was not only doing stuff like that, but encouraged to, dude, hitch a ride, play a little Marty McFly here. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, Marty McFly yeah. was 18 years old and on a skateboard. But 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 how often do those opportunities present itself? And I'm like, yeah, dude, go ahead, live it up. Yeah, see, I know. Hey, you know, yeah, yeah. What's the worst that could happen? Nothing. <laughs> nothing is nothing can happen. Nothing. Um, so, Joe, it was a fantastic time chatting with you. Thank you, as always, for persevering through the technical difficulties. Apologize. Apologies go out to anybody who is listening and to anybody who is listening and put off by, um, I don't know, any any audio problems to drop out that we may there. face. And I, uh, I bid you adieu, Joseph. And I bid you a fond farewell uh, for the summer. I'm taking the rest of the summer off. We'll see you in September. Oh, I wish that was the case. I wish I could get away with that. You know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe we will. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. We got those. Uh, we got the national conventions coming up. We can't be absent for those, can we? Oh my goodness! No, we couldn't possibly take a couple of weeks off for the summer for no reason because there is no summer anymore it's all the same it's all the same so whatever maybe we'll be back next week and if we're not who cares only 10 people listen anyway anyways uh, those who are still listening and in the sound of my voice i just have to say don't forget standing there right beside you people you've ever before Youngest ones from high school But he don't know you no more Can't be sure Just wait and see Remember when It's you wondering If already been The best you'll ever be Something that's hungry Impressively Third is something he's longing for You, you were in your teens Can't be sure Just wait and see Remember when She wondering Far out of bed The best you'll ever be Can't be sure, just wait and see Remember when she wondering Far out of bed, best you'll ever be Standing there up beside you Looking listless and bored Just a bit disappointed 
Just wait and see Remember when you wonder wondering 